Hang in there, idiot. Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. Welcome back to another episode of The Smiley Show. I'm Charlie Hume. He's Smiley Kaufman. And man, Smiley, we were... We were going to do like a full breakdown of the PGA Tour season, look back at, at all the uh, you know the various events and storylines, but then we just got hit with a ton of golf news that we have to cover. Uh, and so we we will have a, a full recap coming on the other side of Thanksgiving, probably early December, looking back at the year, looking back at all the, the various guys who, who earned cards and earned status through the DP World Tour, things like that. But today we're just kind of dig into the the, the freshest storylines that happened on and off the golf course. Uh, so we got to start with, with, with our guy, uh, Ludwig Aubert, who wins his first PGA tour event, which is just, just an amazing year for Ludwig. I mean, when he was his first, I mean, graduated from Texas tech mere months ago, <laughs> wins his first DP world tour event, gets picked to play on the Ryder cup team, uh, goes out, teams up with Victor Hovland and beats the number one player in the world and a five-time major winner, nine and seven, uh, in a group that you're watching at the Ryder Cup. Wins, of course, wins the Ryder Cup and then goes out and finishes off this year um, with his first PGA Tour win. So just kind of, you know, your reaction. So you were walking with that final group yesterday. Your reaction to just watching Ludwig put the final touches on his first Tour win. Bro, he's a machine. An absolute <laughs> machine and i i don't say that lightly this kid is i mean he's unflappable and the amount of times he would hit the same shot over and over right at the flagstick just i mean i've gotten to pull, watch him play at the Ryder cup like you said seeing him play at rsm i mean dude he shot 122 on the weekend <laughs> i mean come on and silly listen silly. I, I will say if you and i played a best ball scramble um we may have beaten him uh, potentially, but probably not. I mean, it was not playing hard whatsoever on the weekend at the RSM. It was as easy as a setup as I've seen in a long time. Just the fairways were super soft, so they were playing very wide. There was no rough. The greens were so soft. It was a dartboard, and the greens were perfect. So you give these guys wedges on a par 70, I mean, yeah, they're going to scare 59, which we saw from McKenzie Hughes. We saw from Eric Cole, who shot 28 on the backside on on Saturday, and then Ludwig shooting 122 on the weekend. I mean, come on, dude. Uh, it was uh, impressive, though, man. He uh, just, you know, I got it on the end of the podcast, just talk about Ludwig, just how Victor on our podcast talked about, dude, he's the Iceman. And that was the sense I got from the guy was that he was not, he didn't look nervous. He didn't look like this moment was too big for him. So just really exciting. The fact that this guy's on the PGA tour, that he's not on the live golf tour and that we get to watch him. Like this is probably the one really, really good move. You could say that the PGA tour is made is that the PGA tour U program that they have gets a guy like Ludwig on the PGA tour and not on the corn Ferry tour because it's no doubt that the guy should have been on the PGA tour right out of college. And, and, and that's where the system is correct. And at, when I was playing, I was so against the PGA tour. You thing. I thought it was bull crap that a guy gets to skip a step because when you get out in pro golf, it doesn't matter how good you were in college. And there's mm. been so many good college players that haven't made it to the PGA tour and been successful. So 
any mini tour player, any corn fairy tour player that's trying to get on the PGA tour. You're like, dude, this is bull crap that a guy's taking my spot. But in this case, they got it right. And this guy has been uh, incredible. He's going to be so good for the game. He's, he just, to me, you know, his personalities, he, he's got a little bit of charisma to him, but man, he just, he's just really good. He's just so good, Charlie. Yeah, it, it, a couple things there that, that I want to circle back on. Uh, ben on tweeted yesterday, we need to stop giving out tour cards to these college kids. Obviously, that. tongue in cheek I there. But <laughs> to, to, to your point, I mean, it's, it is amazing the wave of talent that, that's coming out. I mean, Ludwig obviously is the big name, but Gordon Sargent, Nick yeah. Dunlap. I mean, got kids like David Ford. I mean, there's a whole wave of talent. Um, and, and even and guys that were in Ludwig's class as well and that played on the Corn Ferry Tour this last year, um, Adrian Dumont de Chassard. I mean, there are yeah, just a lot of guys guy. that mm-hmm. the future looks really bright, uh, you know, for the PGA Tour. And this program is one way to get those guys on tour. Um, you know, to your point on the scoring, I thought it was interesting. I, I think I have all these stats right. He set, he tied the, the PGA Tour scoring record for an event. And he broke the scoring record at the RSM Classic by seven shots. Well, I mean, Mackenzie Hughes finished four shots off him. So Mackenzie would have broken shoot, the record. Did he shoot and then 60, Tyler Duncan and the Eric Cole. Is that what Mackenzie shot? Mackenzie Hughes 60, shot 66 3 and drop shots Ludwig Aberg. <laughs> <laughs> who, who shot 61 61 i mean it's it's just it's just silly so yeah the scoring was great but still you know you, you got to go out and shoot the score and i think he spoke to that in in his in his press conference you know kind of on the back in his winner's press conference of just you know the way that mckenzie pushed him and just dealing with those nerves and there's a clip here that i want to play for you because i think it's interesting because in that interview that you referenced with victor hovland where we talked about Ludwig at the Ryder Cup and, and just how he looked a little nervous early on, but the way he he kind of dealt with those nerves and just eased his way in the competition, then just sort of took over and dominated, you know, in the matches they played together. And so here is a clip of, of, of Ludwig yesterday talking about, um, you know, just dealing with those nerves, feeling nervous, but how he kind of reacts to that. And I just love to hear your thoughts on this. There's a lot of these scenarios running through your head. What's going to happen? Am I going to win? Am I not going to win? And, you know, I've had a lot of experience over the last few months to kind of prepare me for those moments. Um, and, you know, I try not to get ahead of myself. Um, I was quite calm, but, you know, I was obviously very nervous. Um, I can't can't really deny that. And um, But it's really cool to kind of see myself do that. And it gives me a lot of comfort and, and validity that, you know, I can do it. So my tendency is is to get more stuck in the past more so than the future. So I, I tend to get more disappointed and frustrated with myself uh, more so than, you know, getting angry. I never get angry, um, but I do get disappointment, uh, disappointed and, and that kind of lingers. So I think this week I did a really good job of letting that go. But uh, breathing really helps to kind of calm you down and uh, and then you try to just stay where your feet are, really. So two things from that interview. Uh, I picked up um, when he talked about just disappointment and just lingering in the past. First off, that's who says that? Uh, I will say that most people in that position are always looking forward, you know, trying to worry about not winning. Uh, there's so many things that come in your mind on the back nine on a Sunday, trying to win the first time. And none of it's stuff that's behind you. It's all stuff that's in front of you. So that was interesting how he said that. And I think I kind of revert back to maybe what he's referencing. Uh, he, he talked about 
all the experience that he's had that that got him in a position to where he felt comfortable to win today. He felt calm. But I go back to maybe the BMW championship where he's leading that tournament going into the final round. And and he shoots, I think, a couple over, doesn't get the job done. Uh, you were the one I think you watched a little bit of those first couple holes for him. It just kind of was off and ends up losing that championship. And maybe that's the disappointment that he was kind of referring to. But I think when we look at the RSM Classic yesterday and why he maybe did get the job done, uh, first off, he wasn't looking forward, which is incredible to do. That's not many players are able to do that. But he references breathing and why that why that he was able to kind of lean on that a little bit. And the takeaway from that is I don't think you see players that are quite mentally as tough and prepared as a guy like Ludwig is at his age. And you could see it in his mannerisms, the way he walks around. You don't see fret. You don't see panic. There's none of that. And I think that's when Victor Hovland, when we talked about how he's the ice man, he didn't look nervous. Dude, that's what I see too. And it's scary as shit. If I was Mackenzie Hughes looking at that and <laughs> seriously, dude, he hits it. He bombs it. He's a great iron player. And he's got great touch with his wedges. I hardly saw him chip because he didn't miss a green. But when I did see him chip, he chipped it good and um, puts it well. But and I've referred to why I, with Ludwig, why I think he's he's so good. And the first thing I picked up on on him from watching him was how reactive he plays the game of golf. He doesn't think about the shot too much. He makes a decision. He gets up there and plays. And and too often with him, we're missing. We're almost missing shots from him on TV mm. because he plays so quickly. On 18 at sun, on Sunday yesterday, we almost missed his second shot because he was already over the ball after the first guy had already hit. And it just, it it's... It's so refreshing to see a young player be this talented and be this ready for the big stage. And it, it's a it's a wave of, like this in sports right now. You see it with like Carl, Carlos Alcaraz, you know, all these young players that are built ready to win at an early age. And let me remind you as well, Charlie, this guy's won on the PGA Tour now. He's won on the DP World Tour. He's been a part of a winning Ryder Cup team. And we haven't even seen him play in one major championship. and. I asked Billy Ray Brown, and I'll ask you the same question, uh, walking off the 10th tee yesterday. I said, Billy Ray, how many majors is this guy going to win? And he kind of looked at me with his face. He's like, you know what? If he stays healthy and he and he doesn't change anything, six. And I was thinking in my head that seemed a little light. I really do believe that's on the light side because I think this guy's capable of winning 10 plus majors. And I don't, I know that sounds ridiculous in this day and age, but dude, we haven't even seen him play a major championship. That's a ridiculous statement to make by me, but holy crap, dude, he's unreal. Yeah. I, I, I don't think six is far fetched at all. Is and I'm, I'm a little turning more aggressive? in your direction. Is that aggressive? Should I go back on that? It's, well, I don't know because it's it, you got to look at what are he's what are young. the factors that go into he's he's young he we say he's twenty four years old and so the obvious question mark that nobody can really predict is health but if you look at his swing I don't see anything there that worries either. me of him going after in a certain way you know his like like you know, like Zalatoris 
Well, even I would even give him more of an edge. I mean, he's still young, but I mean, when we listen to the sound that, that we just did, that's the Iceman giving you the the cliff notes on what makes him the Iceman of just like, hey, I'll even tell you that I feel the nerve sometimes, but this is kind of how I displace those and just and just work within those and, and just yeah. work through these shots in a way that, to your point, is, is calm and efficient and cool. And to me, it's you know, I think you know, Brooks obviously has a, a bulletproof mentality, but. You know, that is almost a calmer, simpler approach to the game that it that really ke- kind of keeps him balanced. And, and Ten's ridiculous. You I'm media, going back BMW. on 10. I'm going back on 10. You're going back <laughs> on 10? That's a ridiculous statement. Uh, I'm going go to go I'm going to go back with Billy Ray. And I'm going to agree with him that six is a fair s- number. Well, it's 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 I think it's three big things. It's health and it's form and it's other competitors. And I think the last one is the most important because of all the reasons we've just yes, stated in this interview 100%. is that. He looks like he should be able to stay healthy. He looks like a guy that I saw some stat yesterday where the the rounds he's played on the PGA Tour this year where he hasn't shot over maybe a 74 once, 73 or 74. It's just something absurd. And then all the sub 60 rounds he shot is right up there with, with the guys who were, you know, top 10 in the world players. So, you know, you think he's a guy that even if he does lose his form, it's going to be pretty easy for him to get it back on track. I think the last thing is the biggest factor is that we have all these young guys coming up who you, know, you can play as good as you want to, but if those guys have a good day, a good week, you know, they might just go out there and win it from you. It has nothing to do with you losing it. And so that's the thing I think for him that probably if I'm if I'm ballparking a prediction, it, it probably is less than double digits because it's really, really hard to oh, do. Hot, dude, yeah. I mean, but I wouldn't be only shocked if he <laughs> Only two people have ever done it. So <laughs> let's let's be real. I said 10 because I that's how ridiculous I think this kid is. So oh, it's amazing. Um, I, I think that's maybe if that's the ceiling and, and if I, I definitely think he's going to win at least one major. I would be surprised if he if he didn't win a major championship. But that's kind of just when I when I think about um, I went to the U.S. Open this year uh, in tennis and watched Novak Djokovic play. And when I watched him play, it wasn't that that he was just crazy elite at everything. He was he was great at everything that he did, and it just looked like you were playing against a wall. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that, it's like when you, you know, when you practice tennis and you're hitting into the wall and it's just like the guy, the guy on the other side just continues to hit the perfect shot over and over again and just wear you down. And that's what I saw from Novik besides his all, already just glaring talent. It wasn't just this like the best of all time at, at, at certain things. And now granted, you could probably argue he's the best of all time at certain areas of his game, but he, there was no weaknesses in his game. And when I watched Ludwig, that's what I felt like McKenzie was going up against yesterday is is you're going up against a wall, a guy that's just going to continue to return and hit perfect shots over and over again. And granted, I watched this at the RSM Classic at a very easy golf course that can make any golfer look really, really good. Um, It just was not playing very hard. But let's go back to the Ryder Cup, where I did get to watch him play there. And this guy, let's not forget him and no, or him and that's Novak. I'm already on this tennis thing. <laughs> him and Victor, nine and seven against Brooks yeah. and Scotty. And and granted, now Brooks and Scotty did not play well, but dude, what Victor and Ludwig did that day, it was absurd. Neither of them missed a fairway. Neither of them missed a green. They were like seven under through eleven in alternate shot. Just, just silly stuff. Um, 
So yeah, I'm I'm obviously buying stock. And if you were yeah. somebody who's looking for like futures and stuff like that, if you miss the boat on Ludwig, he's probably going to be a top five, top six on the odd sheet at the Masters. And that's, I, I don't know where he's at now, but I imagine that's probably where he's going to be sitting. And I just don't see how you don't buy stock in this kid. Well, and I, I want to get into to next year, what we're projecting for him next year, because I think that's an interesting conversation. I do want to put one bow on on this season, because I think we've had Eric Cole's name pretty much engraved in the Rookie of the Year trophy for weeks now. Oh, God, dude. But we, I'm did not we jinx so that? Did we do I'm, that to him? I I, well, I I don't think it's just us. I think it's a little bit of everybody. I mean, and I, I'm wondering now, like, look, no disrespect to Eric Cole, who almost had like an Ironman year where he played in a zillion events. He was playing in non-PGA Tour events on weeks he wasn't in tournaments. Guy just loves playing golf. And, and what he did, especially as a guy who – is you know was 33 to 34 this year and and you know didn't have a status in the years prior and kind of plays his way into all these different events and plays really well but you know Ludwig coming on late I just I mean for me I think I think Ludwig's got to be a rookie of the year do you agree or do you think that's still Eric Cole's award so we debated this on the air and it was Eric Coles to win this week. The only person that couldn't win was Ludwig or he was going to win. <laughs> it just it's just really bad break for Eric Cole because I really think Ludwig's probably going to win now. Um, the recency bias of of what Ludwig's done, um, not to say Eric Cole. I mean, Eric Cole, I think, just had four top four finishes in the fall. I think I'm not. Yeah. I'm not, I gotta go back and double check that, but I think he finished four top fours in the fall. He played very well in the fall. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I know the fall is not how we're judging this, but Eric Cole did get to play 37 times. And then, uh, Ludwig played shoot like what? 15. Is that about right? Something around there. Yeah. Um, Eric Cole did not make the tour championship. Correct. He finished around 37th, I believe. That's correct. Yes, he did not. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah he, so he had he, a full season to get into that tour championship where to me, that is a huge, huge deal for a rookie to to solidify yourself as rookie of the year is making the tour championship. So not making that to me was and not making the tour championship and not winning, I think, leaves open debate for something like this to happen. And to me. It's a no-brainer now. Ludwig should be Rookie of the Year. So if you're just looking at pure stats, Eric Cole played 37 events. He had two runner-ups. He had seven top 10s, fourteen top 25s. He made 27 cuts, missed 10. He finished 43rd in the FedEx Cup. So yes, missed out on the Tour Championship uh, and made uh, $5.5 million. Uh, Ludwig in 11 events won once. And of course, Eric did not win an event. He had one runner up. He had four top tens, eight top 25s, made 10 cuts, only missed one. Uh, the, the FedEx. So this is all, honestly another kind of illustrator of what he did this fall. And I know we said, Hey, we're waiting the fall less, but he entered the fall 135th on the FedEx cup standings and he ends it 53rd. So he got, went, you know, got after it this fall and made, million. So, I mean, like it it depends, I guess it depends on how you sort of value these things. And, and honestly, I I could see a similar type of discussion taking place for player of the year, whether we're going to reward Scotty Scheffler for his consistency, you know, across the year without the wins or whether we're going to reward John Rahm or Victor Hovland for peaking more. 
And that and, and that's and it's funny because I I am a guy who's argued for Scotty as a player of the year. But in this particular argument, it's like, I think you've got to go with Ludwig. And the other thing, too, is and I hate that this comes on the conversation, but it's but it's what what is history going to look back on? What's going to look better? I mean, the, the, the Ludwig Aberg, you know, we're going to look back and this and be like, how is he not the rookie of the year? Who is yeah. this Eric Cole guy? And I hate that that's the way it is, but that's just kind of the way it is. Yeah, I, I I'm. I'm on the Ludwig rookie of the year, Victor player of the year. I think you can make a case for Rom and then make a case for Scotty after that. Um, just to follow up on just comparing the two between Eric Cole and Ludwig Obera, Sean uh, Martin had a great tweet and this was uh, also kind of comparing the two and you just touched on most of them. Uh, but Ludwig only playing 11 events, his points per event before this event was 28.2. And points per event for Eric Cole was 31.7. So he was a little higher going into the week. Um, hmm. But then, okay. Then uh, Ludwig won. So I imagine he's well over that 28.7, probably closer to the 40 or 50 mark now. So now he's earning well more as far as points per event goes. So small sample size it's it, it's really tough for some people to say how can somebody be the rookie of the year when they only played 11 times on the that tour but shoot i mean he finished 53rd in the fedex cup um now if ludwig was able to continue to push up the fedex cup so if if eric cole finished at 37th i believe so he would have kept moving up so right now he's stagnant at 37 so it was is a little bit kind of weird to say oh well you know Ludwig finished 53rd Eric finished 37th that's really close you know if we're comparing like things as far as that's concerned um you know Eric Cole didn't get a win Ludwig did get the win so but you got to remember how well he played in the fall Eric Cole so you can make a case for both but man it's it's just that recency bias thing and and kind of similar to this Heisman voting thing like uh Jaden Daniels um is a guy that probably has the best stats, probably has been the most electric player, but Bo Nix goes out and throws for seven touchdowns against Washington in the Pac-12 championship. It's going to be a recency bias of what we just saw. Um, it's kind of how it goes with voting. Many right? people saying Drake may, you know, I mean, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> many, many people. What <laughs> ones of people. <laughs> well, we talked a little bit about expectations for Ludwig in 2024, uh, you know, over under, we, we talked about, I guess, career majors, but you know, wins where it'll be at in the OWGR also that we'll cover in the future. And I think one last thing that's important to note for Ludwig is he makes it to 53rd in the FedEx cup fall. And he wins this event, of course, which means he's in the first two and really three, if you count the century signature events. So definitely big for him. But we are Smiley in a breaking news situation here on the Smiley show. Uh, Can you play a sound for that? Like, do, 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 like to sound the alarms. Can we have like a. Oh, yeah. I mean, I get some like like, cool buttons you can press for that. I can I can definitely I can edit in some like air horns on the back end of this. <laughs> yeah. when, when you when you listen back to this, it's going to sound way cooler than the way we just recorded it. But yes, breaking news, and this comes to uh, to us via a Josh A. Carpenter tweet. Uh, the TGL is expected to announce later today that it will not launch until 2025 due to the damage caused at its venue in Florida. And that was, of course, and this is from a, a golf.com article written by Sean Zach. Uh, a temporary power outage took place 
at the side of that stadium, causing the air seal dome to deflate. And, you know, there's speculation as to whether it was human error, or mechanical error, uh, the the all the air in that white blob uh, kind of deflated and left all the technology, the high end technology that they're using to have this thing pulled off susceptible to elements. Um, and so at the at the time of the writing of this article, they were unsure as to whether or not uh, the, the, the uh, TGL would continue in early January, which was a slated launch. Um, but now it's looking likely they're going to push the league until 2025. Uh, and, and so a ton of impact here, ESPN's TV contract, player schedules. Uh, I, I just, let's just start with kind of an open-ended one, which is smiley. I mean, how, how devastating is this for a project that was supposed to maybe ward off a live threat, tap into new audiences, all the above I mean, How, how big of a blow is this? Um, you know, it just seemed like the whole thing was kind of getting rushed towards the end. The fact that that everything mm. wasn't built, you know, only a player or two has been in the testing component of it. You know, and, and with stuff like this, when you get, kind of get closer to um, as far as a date goes and you start hearing that, wait, this thing isn't even built yet, then the crazy storm comes through. And maybe that everything was going to be on time and everything would have been just dandy. But to me, everything still felt a little rushed um, as far as the players, maybe not having an understanding of what the concept was. I think many of the fans didn't really understand it either hmm. until we saw that Cameron Young video uh, of him kind of doing some testing. And, and we didn't know it was going to be on grass. <laughs> I mean, that was something right. that was uh, very uh, I, I just think the the picture from not only the players, but the fans as well. Um, didn't really know exactly what it's going to be like. I think we were all excited about it. But I think the big issue that they had was was looking at the calendar. It's like if it was a month that they needed, if it was two months that they needed to get it, um, the stadium built and back and ready to go, it, it ran into the issue was the ESPN uh, windows that they had. So I think this thing was going to run from what, January to like just short of April. Is that about right? I, I'm not sure what the window was. You know, it's interesting because they only had announced the first few dates oh, and okay, we were okay. looking at this and trying to see how, you know, if it's, if it was a 15 week season, when are the rest of the dates going to fall? And are they dates that we're going to, you know, were they going to try to pack in a bunch of them around the Florida swing? Cause that would make a lot of sense travel wise. Um, you know, were they going to try to stretch it out over the course of the year, maybe all the way to August. But if, you know, April would seem to make a lot of sense to kind of get the majority of it out of the way before you get into major season and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, it, it, it does if that indeed was the plan and we didn't know the rest of the dates, then it makes a ton of sense to say if we were already going to have to postpone this thing. Now we're having to pack all these, you know, uh, TGL matches, whatever you want to call them, into an even tighter window, which is even more of a strain on player schedules. And it's already a thing that's driven a guy like John Rom out of the first year of this league. Let's just punt on it. And and I, I mean, I guess I think your point is a really valid one where it's where it's if this thing was going to be rushed and it wasn't going to come off the way that they wanted it to come off. Another year of planning to me doesn't kill this. I, I really think an, it would have been great to get it started just to see, you know, it, even the networks too. I think it gives them more time to figure out uh, exactly, you know, if they have the right team organized, uh, 
you know, for the players being able to go on an off week in the Florida swing after it's done being built and you could go mm-hmm. swing by and, and, and really do some testing on it because nothing is worse for, for the players. If, if the technology isn't correct in their mind, cause they're like, wait, this is, this sucks. <laughs> you know, I'm hitting, I know this shot isn't right. Like I know what this yeah. is cutting or whatever it is. Um, and they get to practice on it, which I think is would be beneficial for any of the guys because I maybe some of these players before going would be like, dude, I'll fly down to do this before going on live TV so I know what it's like. It's like playing a practice round because um, you don't want to embarrass yourself on live television, right? So, um, all right. So I think the big thing I was kind of getting to with the windows there is that they could they couldn't push it back because yeah. ESPN already has scheduled broadcasting. Um, stuff with the NBA playoffs and Mm -hmm. they couldn't just move it. They have a window that ESPN said, this is when we're slotted you guys in. Now, if we push you back, we just don't have the availability. So if it would, maybe if they had done a deal with another network that had the flexibility, um, then they could have just pushed this back to uh, later in the year towards the summer. Let's say if it was with a a CBS or an NBC, whoever it would be um, a TNT um, but because the ESPN's commitment to the NBA playoffs and um, whatever else they have, they just weren't able to just push it back a month. So now 2025, we get to uh, continue to talk about the TGL and what really <laughs> is it. Yeah, I mean, listen, there is still one very important TGL that is still very much in play and is coming to you uh, later this week, which is that's a little teaser for the Thanksgiving League. Uh, dropping on Wednesday. So be on the lookout for that TGL. Uh, and you'll, you'll know what that is when it drops. It's going to be, you know, equally, if not even more uh, uh, fanfare worthy than the original TGL. But that that's all by way of saying uh, it, it's the thing that I think is, is interesting in looking at this is I think all the points you're making are, um, are valid. Uh, I, I think that, that, you know, you want a good product, not a rush product. You, you want to be, you know, yeah, it could be uh, cool, you man. Be first, like, you want to be right. It, it really could be cool. We just, it felt rushed. Right. We see some time. That yeah. to me, like the players not having an idea what it was going to be like the stadium. We haven't seen pictures because it was still being built. Right. And now it, now you see the, the overhead drone shots of the stadium. You're like, what in the world is this? How, how are they going to get this thing going in two months? It just, it just felt like a disaster was looming on this. And and there's yeah. nothing more important than a first impression when it comes to stuff like this. You cannot screw up the first look, not only for the, uh, the fans' perspectives to keep them coming up and watching, but also for the people that are going to go in person, uh, the people that uh, – or I say the people, the players' first impressions of it. If they don't like the product and they don't believe in it, then, then it's really tough to keep it going. So, yeah. Um, and I, I, I wonder, I wonder on this too, like if, you know, they still haven't announced player number 24 since Rom departed. I wonder if another year to get the, in place. Who's going to be in it now? Like, cause, cause that's, it gives, that's it, another, I mean, cause it could, I mean, and, and this is no disrespect to, I'm not even going to name a player that would get booted. Right. But you know, another year of Ludwig Ober. Let's say he right? wins a major this year. <laughs> if he wants in, it's like, I, I bet they regret announcing those teams now because they could have gone right. a whole another year. But yeah. And, and, and then how do you handle booting a guy? Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of stinks. You know, it's, I don't know what, if it's like a financial make good or, or I mean, who knows? Maybe they say, Hey, we're going to expand to eight teams. 
you know, we're going to create space for additional guys because now we, you know, we have guys that want in now that we're seeing a more polished product. I think it's all, I think they're all, you know, they're, that's looking at the silver lining of it. Well, I guess it creates more headaches, but that's looking at the, how could this thing expand with another year of prep? I, I wonder who, feels like they lose the most here, whether it's the tour, whether it's Tiger or Rory, or, or whether it's like Netflix or Top Golf or just businesses that stand to benefit from a new wave of consumer interest in a place that isn't like traditional golf, you know, by by pushing this a year. I mean, you got to think the losers are the all the investors, right? <laughs> all the yes, uh, all yes. these athletes and stuff and all these celebrities that just invested all this money into each team and bought all these teams. And let's say you invested a million dollars into a team. I have no idea if that's the number of what these guys are having to pay, but let's say that's the number and you write a million dollar check and then you see this text or this, this email that was sent maybe a week or two ago. And you're like, wait, you mean this isn't going to be on TV until 2025. So are we going to just give me back that money now? And then I'll reissue it later. Once I, I, to me, that, that would be a, uh, a bit of a what's kind of going on here if I was an investor. So I would, I would imagine they would be um, the first people that would be concerned about it. The players don't really, they, they don't care. It's, it's, it's what it starts when it starts, but I would imagine the investors and in, in the folks that are running it um, are probably having the, the, the biggest like, eh, okay, I'm a little questioning this thing now. 100%. I think the, if anything, the players probably are breathing a sigh of relief of like, I get my time back. Exactly. But, yeah. And this is something we didn't even have. This, this is something we didn't even have in our rundown, which is that all the people that the tour is trying to go and hit up for, for money right now, the pool is kind of shrinking, right? Like I, I read that the, one of the investors uh, that's, that's pitching is one of the kind of the five, you know, private equity groups uh, has Fenway sports group ownership, which are invested in Boston common golf. And, you know, and then there's this other report this last week that the tour is going to go to these tournament or organizers, especially the ones in big cities and ask for more money out of what they're making to be distributed in purses to the players. And, you know, some Dude, anonymous, I, think, I guess, tournament director. Well, it's, it's just and it's just interesting how, you know, there is a necessity right now in the game of golf to figure out how do we split up this pie the right way to keep the right people happy so we don't lose them to somewhere else, whether that's, you know, live or whatever. Um, but I, I do wonder if you know, kind of, to your point of like a team investor who wrote the check for the TGL team is in the process of writing the check to fund the PGA tour. So you can not have PIF investment, you know, maybe ha you know, I'm sure there's some sort of crossover here and people who are putting on tournaments for the tour and they're, and they're having to write a bigger check, to distribute to the players at what point where they say, wait a second, like this is, this is crazy. You, you can't keep asking for this and not providing some return on value. Um, yeah, that's very presumptive, but, but it is, it is, I think when you're pointing out losers in the TGL and you're wondering, you know, does this impact, like, what does this impact on a larger, you know, scale deal and, and, and whether we're going to see other things within the tour structure, take a hit because it's the same people who are getting asked to pay money over and over and over again. Yeah, no, it's it's a great point, and I think even this going into the fall, you and I were talking about just uh, just plans for our show in in this slow time of the year, and it's just been the opposite. The golf continues to make headlines 
and it's just ever changing, whether it's TGL, uh, the PIF still not being figured out, policy board changes, Tiger Woods being back. There's just so many things that continue to be at the at the top of my timeline every single week it's something that's always changing and when when i when i just think about the pga tour and 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 next year it's it's you know do we have the like is is this format with the signature events is this going to be the correct way that the pga tour is going to need to be operating as it moves forward is 20 million dollars too much money and that's something that eventually is yeah. going to be a question of did we did we shoot for too high of a number for these guys to be paid right off the get go? Is it compelling enough? Are, are the are the ratings going to reflect that? Because golf itself is growing like we've never seen it before, and this is without Tiger Woods. The game itself is on a rocket ship, and you see that with the YouTube. You see it with top golf and there's just so many people that are interested in the game and it's so odd to me that for a game and a sport that couldn't be growing more right now that there's so much question marks and indecision and really just not knowing what the next year is going to really be like in the professional yeah. game at the highest level, because a lot of times, you know, for um, things that are below the professional level to grow, you need the, the top part to be organized and to be the most compelling on TV and to be the thing that drives the other aspects of the sport. And with with the game of golf right now, it's been Maybe maybe it has been the that there's been so much interest in the chaos, which has helped driven the game. But still, it it's it's great that golf is is so popular. But still, it gives us something to talk about every week because our headlines continue to not not stop week in and week out. Yeah, well, and I think what's interesting about that is. The growth is happening uh, at, at the the highest rate in in non green grass golf or whatever the term is they're using is for that you know for the top golfs of the world that that's where the growth is happening and, and more so than uh, you know a growth in a television audience for a PGA Tour product and so that's why looking at this TGL thing you know that this was the tour's play to try to kind of carve into that audience and say, Hey, you like doing this thing, right? Like you may not sit down and watch, you know, the Sony open every week or, you know, I, I that don't despite Sony open, but just like you, you maybe you'll watch a major, but like, you're not going to sit down and maybe and watch this product every single week, but you know what you might do. You might binge, you know, a couple, six episodes of full swing and you might, you know, uh, go to talk off talk with your friends and hang effect. out. That was sorry. And, and, I, that and was so one I, other thing that brought people to the game was, it was totally, it was full swing. Well, and, and I just think that that's, you know, I think I, I commend the tour for trying to make efforts in those directions to tap into those audiences. I don't know whether they'll successfully convert those people to watchers of the tour tele televised product. And I think that we've heard a lot of smart people say of late that, hey, this thing might be we might be overvaluing this product and the money we're distributing to these players. Um but it, it's all I mean, it's all interesting and it's stuff that, yeah, kind of to your point, we could talk about this ad nauseum. I mean, there is just and there's so many interesting ways to go with it. And honestly, like probably not qualified enough to break it down in, in a in a full way, in a smart way. But but I think that that this one in particular, 
if it gets delayed and results in a better product, good. But that's another year you're pushing back from trying to tap into the the segment of the audience that's growing at the highest rate. And that's that's a bummer. So yeah. <laughs> I think this was last year. Remember when the PGA Tour launched that NFT program? Like that this was going to be the next big game changer thing in, in, in professional golf. I think this is like before yeah. full swing. And I'm like, what the it's hell great. is an NFT? <laughs> remember and remember then, NFT, and then, Smiley? Remember the, those? <laughs> remember Bitcoin? <laughs> dude, I, I, remember, I read this thing. So you're, like, you're telling me it's like an autograph, but like only one person. I was like, what in the world are we doing here? Why, why is this the next big thing? NFTs. And I tell you what, there it's, were players buying it. Like, oh yeah, this is this is this could be huge. It could be huge. <laughs> and, and I don't, I don't. That one. If we're talking about things that we don't know about, and maybe this is going to make me look bad, but like that's one really where I'm like, who knows if the crypto market is going to bounce back in a significant way? And then down the road, it's like, man, I really wish I had an NFT of Smiley freaking out next to an alligator. At, at Bay Hill, you know, that's worth a zillion dollars now. It may well, it may very well could be. Um, I, and I think that's part of it too, is a league that is having a unique type of interest, you know, from different audiences is you got to kind of roll the dice and take risks and try to see what works and what doesn't. Um, but, all, you know, all very, very interesting. And I think this is the part of the show. I can't believe we waited this far into the show to get yeah, to this what piece are we of doing? news. But I mean, Tiger's back. <laughs> Tiger's, Tiger's back. Tiger's I know back. I said it. I Tiger, said Tiger's Tiger. back. I said it. We just didn't. We you didn't blow the air back. horn. We, we, we just didn't talk horn. about it. <laughs> With air horns, again, we are gonna. You will hear air horns. You might even be hearing air horns right now as you're listening to this or watching this. There, there are air horns here. Tiger's back. He's playing the Hero World Challenge. Uh, you know who else is committed to the Hero World Challenge? Smiley Coppin. He's gonna be down uh, there and breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> Breaking news. Oh, air horns, air horn, air horn, more yeah, air horns. Here. I will be at the um, Hero World Challenge. I am so pumped. I got with Tiger. Uh, I got on to that event pretty late. Uh, I got the call last week that I'm going to be on the Bahamas. Uh, so that's exciting. That was like the one event it that is. I've always wanted to work. Just like 15, 20 dudes or however many it is. Tiger being back. And he, dude, come on. This is going to be sweet. Can't wait. So, what, what do we like? What does success look like for Tiger? At the hero, because like I, 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 you know, this one I'll say it surprised me a little bit that he that he's playing in it. Like I felt like he's a lock for the PNC because he loves doing stuff with Charlie and he can take a cart. Um, and so then going forward, it's it's you know what is this prepare and 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 maybe part of this and I, I don't want to say it's you know I don't want to read too much into it and say it's it's some calculated move other than Tiger just feels healthy and wants to play golf, but. Maybe he saw the writing on the wall with TGL and he had, he wasn't able to play last year in the hero. And it's like, if I go and play in this thing, it's going to be a nice bump in terms of, you know, viewership and for my event and with knowing mm-hmm. that the TGL is not going to happen. I don't know. But I mean, what, what if we're saying this, we get to the end of the week and Tiger did this, what will that be for it to be a success for him? Yeah, I got a hot take. And I, okay. I think, I think anything better than last would be success. Yeah, I agree and I, with that. I, I say that because I really think he's going to have some incredible rust and just walking, getting used to just whatever his new surgery was. I guarantee you his golf swing is going to be way different because he's having to work on different things because his body's moving so differently. 
and taking that to the golf course. And I'm sure he's been putting hours and hours and hours on the range like he always has. But how is it going to translate to the golf course? Where is your rust factor going to be? Um, how is how is the leg going to hold up walking over 72 holes? We've seen him walk with Charlie recently, so it's good to see him do that. He commented how he's still sore a little bit. But um, the fact that he's going to be walking hasn't played since the Masters. Um, dude, if he goes out and finishes anything better than last, and I, dude, it's so it's so such a crap thing for me to say, but seriously, like I would, I would chalk that up as a success. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I mean, just the fact that he, I mean, I, I would even, and, and I'm not saying this in any disrespectful way at all. If he plays all four rounds, that's a success. You yeah, know, if, if he finish. plays, you know, it, it like just look healthy the after 72 and, holes. And, right. Cause I think it will, it, what will stink is if he, you know, has to walk, two or three rounds and it's like, whoa, this is a different type of tournament strain. And I got to d- withdraw, you know, not that it's a big deal in the grand scheme of tour events or anything, but just more for the optics of how much do we think tiger has left in the tank? Cause everyone yeah, wants to keep believing I- in tiger myself included. And so I think that just finishing the tournament playing all four rounds would be, would be a, a, a big, big win for him. I think why I expect rust from tiger besides that he hasn't played since April is Dude, he's been busy. I'm talking yes. busy, busy. Yeah. He's been a full-time dad which to Charlie, which been so fun to see him caddying all the time for Charlie, helping him progress in his game at, a, at an important age. But, dude, he's been seriously involved with the policy board. I'm talking totally. phone calls and phone calls and phone calls, trying to get the PGA Tour settled in and get it going the direction that he, he believes it should be going. And... When you combine the stress of that, um, traveling with Charlie, practicing, it kind of leaves out like, is he getting enough reps on the golf course? Because this seemed like a pretty, I wouldn't say just late decision, but you would have liked to have seen him come out earlier and say he was playing. I, I think I've, a lot of times you start seeing videos of him coming out that he's practicing, playing and that, but, and I'm sure he has been playing just as much as practicing, but um you haven't seen just those random photos of him playing at whether at the medalist with a group or something like that. Um, you've just seen him kind of on the range. So you, you question um, just where he's going to be at from a competitive standpoint. Yeah. I think we saw him at the hay uh, looking like a call of duty character. A couple times yeah. on social media. Those were nice little uh, uh, some shots playing with Charlie as well. But I mean, yeah, you're you're a hundred percent right. I mean, it, that feels like the Masters his injury feels like years ago, and he's been a key player in everything that's happened since then in terms of the development of TGL, the yeah, policy right. board. He's busy with that too. Dad, busy I mean, with that too. He's it's just busy right there's, now. There's a there's a really busy. So, but I mean, it's good for I, him I, though I, that he's a he's the biggest 100%. name in golf, and the fact that he's taking ownership and what how the game's moving forward is something that. I think he's going to be remembered by besides what he did on the golf course is progressing this, the PGA tour to, you know, Phil Mickelson was the one um, kicking and screaming on the way out the door and trying to blow up the game um, by, by trying to change the way the PGA tour operates. Well, Tiger said, you know what, I'll, I'll stick over here and try to change the way it operates uh, from the way I think it should, should do it instead of leaving the PGA tour, a place that I built my platform on. Um, 
Now you could argue that Tiger built the PGA Tour platform a little bit too, but uh, <laughs> right. besides the point. Well, you know, that's, that's, an, that's an interesting one, and we have more hero news here and stuff we want to get to, but just you know, quickly or as quickly as you can, do you think Tiger's level of involvement in – the tour and maybe you know structures that are that are you know uh, tour adjacent do you think that that happens the way it did without his injuries you know or does he amass so much money so much fame and recognition where he doesn't have to at that point that's a good question i if he was still healthy you have to question whether he would ever have gotten on the policy board i don't think he would mm-hmm. have ever done it if he didn't have time off where he would have time to invest in this and yeah, that's uh, that's a great question. I I I, tr- I truly believe that probably no. And to him being on the policy board, so good for the tour. Um, and Huge. yeah, man, I it just I it, I'd never thought I'd say this in today's podcast that Ludwig Obert would win ten majors and that Tiger Woods, if he doesn't finish last place, like the, the what those are two ridiculous statements that I made today. But <laughs> I guess I can kind of this back is, them up a little bit. This is golf but. in twenty twenty three. I mean, <laughs> this is just this is what I mean. We just do. overreaction, um, overreaction, overreaction, overreaction Mondays. Well, and the, the great the great thing about it is you can just overreact all you want, and then like a week later there'll be more news. That you can just you can just wash over your last overreaction with a new one. So, uh, speaking of overreactions to pieces of news, uh, more news from the hero. Uh, we saw Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley uh, withdraw from the event. They were replaced by Justin Rose and Lucas Glover. Uh, there, there were a lot of rumblings, you know, I, you, you can't have any player movement today without people saying, Oh, live, they're going to live. And I look, I, anything could happen in today's day and age, but I saw something this morning from, uh, Jeff Shackelford's quadrilateral newsletter that kind of made a good point about this and something that I guess we all missed, but there was a, uh, an exclusive in today's golfer on October uh, 31st, where, Xander talked about a lot of different things, you know, the Ryder Cup, uh, his thoughts on Jay Monahan, offseason plans to find more distance. And one of the things he noted in that story would was that he'd already decided to kind of shut it down to recharge for 2024. And so I guess we had that piece of information that wasn't, you know, fully connected to the hero WD quite yet. But there were also rumors that Cantlay was going to follow suit and do the same thing. So, I mean, do you read into anything more there other than these guys are just like i played enough golf i want to relax I, i'm doing it it's, it's just, i guess the optics are bad given everything that happened around the Ryder cup right it's just it's hard not to read into it and listen i don't think they're going to the live golf tour i really don't and i i, I truly believe that that it's been difficult to get a read on patrick Cantlay. Because I really think there has been genuine interest through over the last year with him going to the Live Golf Tour. I think there was mm-hmm. definitely interest from both parties. And and Xander Shoffley to me always seemed kind of attached to the hip of what Cantley wanted to do. And I not to say that Xander can't think for himself. It just it always just felt like those two were were grouped together, whether that's right or wrong. And And then all the stuff with Xander's dad and like the quotes that he kind of had about the PGA of America and the Ryder Cup made you think, wow, that's kind of the same thinking of some of the quotes that we've been rumored to hear about how Patrick Canley kind of sees all the situation and then the hat stuff um, at the Ryder Cup. So definitely you can read into it. I don't believe they're going anywhere. Um, I had heard that Canley, not Canley, I had heard that Xander, um, 
a couple weeks back wasn't really planning on playing hero anyways. So then you wonder, okay, why is Cantway not playing? But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's very odd, but I think what you got to point to is like, okay, what has happened recently? All right. Patrick Cantley has been pointed, appointed to the policy board of the PGA tour. To me, that seems like a commitment to the tour. Um, I don't see how you would read it any other way. Now, that would be a wild subplot if he got um, you know, appointed to the policy board tour and then also is, <laughs> is still negotiating with the Live Golf Tour. That would be kind of um, not what you want as a, as a PGA Tour member, uh, somebody being able to kind of ni- manipulate both sides. Um, and using using his leverage, but yeah, it's it's definitely odd um, to see those two at the same time being announced. Like you would like it for them both to be announced separately together on that. But um, as it goes, uh, I think the only mistake here is, is man, I wish they would have given those uh, waited to give those spots out for, and given one of those spots to Ludwig Bear uh, at the Hero World Challenge. That would have been. Just really nice to see him play in a limited field. Not to say that Lucas and Justin aren't worthy worthy picks, but definitely wish Ludwig would have uh, been in this field. Yeah, you wonder if those guys, you know, they're TGL guys, so maybe they get the little, hey, thanks for your loyalty, now come down and play the hero. But I think it was Tom Kim who got the hero bid last year, and we saw the video that came out of you know, the Bahamas. It was so cool of him interacting with, with guys he'd looked up to for years, and as he's this budding star, just being around them, and he's like a sponge for information – it would have been very cool to see a similar thing, you know, happen with, with Ludwig going down there and playing with all these guys. But, you know, who who knows what the future holds on on the Xander point? I think this is very interesting because you noted there about Cantley's involvement with the policy board. And we we actually have another policy board piece of news that we're going to get to to finish the show out. But, um, you know, I think as, as cryptic as Cantley's been at time with just his actions and his words, the thing that I think is very clear from him is that he's trying to advocate for the players and by an extension of the players, he's trying to advocate for himself and how we extract what we feel is the value we deserve out of all these scenarios. So it makes sense right. that a guy like that would, you know, end up on the policy board and be part of the group that's reviewing all these different, you know, kind of groups that are saying we want to invest money into the tour and things like that. In this same story that was referenced from Xander, there's a quote that he had on Jay Monahan. And he said, I wouldn't mind seeing some new leadership take place on our circuit. I'd be lying if I said that I have a whole lot of trust after what happened. That's definitely the consensus that I get when I talk to a lot of the guys. It's a bit contradictory when they call it our tour and things can happen without us even knowing. And so I just wonder how you react to a quote like that, knowing he's so close with a guy like Patrick Cantlay, who is influencing decisions for the tour going forward. Well, it goes back to your original point in that article that you were kind of referencing to the one recently that came about talking about how the PGA Tour had talked to all these tournament directors on on what next year is going to look like going to the bigger cities and the bigger markets for for more money. And and it all goes kind of points to is what is the value of the PGA Tour and its players? And is it overvalued right now? Is it is everything being allocated correctly as far as a pie chart goes? Is it are we going to cut into the charities uh, money, which is one of the mm-hmm. points that one of the tournament directors said? It's like, yeah, we could do that, but we're not going to give as much money to charity, which is something that the PGA Tour has stood on for ever since the beginning of its existence in the nonprofit 
uh, status that it does have. So when we talk about what you just said with Xander Shoffley, and um, I think it you have to point to, and this is what's going to be decided over the next year or two, is, is this $20 million per sustainable? Is it the right number? Yeah. Is it the right format? Do we need more teams involved, like similar to how the live um, golf is structured a little bit? Even Rory's come back on this, and I think he's starting to see the life and and potentially having a team type of structure on the PGA Tour. And I, I'm not against it. I think this is something mm-hmm. that um, the original idea from the Premier Golf League by the yes. the guy who introduced this to a couple players was a realistic great idea and something that i think a lot of players would love to be involved with but you know it's what do we want the pga tour to look like over the next couple decades is it team golf i don't know maybe yeah Uh, it it, would it be more compelling to watch for for you at home charlie I, i think it could be i think it would be more fun for us to cover from a network standpoint because you're you're following multiple storylines. You're um, you're definitely getting a more personality out of the guys, like you see from the teams at the Ryder Cups, the Presidents Cups, how much um, they they play for one another. Um, and you can even reference the Live Golf Tour a little bit in this, and and how much uh, and I, you can you can obviously say that that the the love that they have for one another looks fabricated or fake. But I think you can't deny that the fact that they really enjoy playing team golf. I think. Most of these guys played college golf. They enjoyed playing with one another and, and fighting for one another. But, you know, the PGA Tour for for forever has just been, you know, just you out there. And that's the only thing we focused on. But I tell you what, for us to show more golf on TV and show more players and show more storylines and you add a team component to it, it gives us an opportunity to cover so much more of the golf course. Because right now, really, we're just covering who wins the golf tournament and the storyline with that. And you throw in a couple other um, players that you know are on the back nine that could have the difference between a team championship. I, I really think it it adds an element that I'm not against. And so the team, I yeah. know a lot of PGA Tour uh, fans have been against the team format, but I think it's something that could work. And Rory's come around to it. It's just been yeah. um, a little bit of a you know, because the PGA Tour is so against the Live Golf Tour at the beginning, it's just it's really hard to come around to it because you're either on one side or the other. But it seems like we're starting to see a potential middle middle ground figured out here. Yeah, I mean, I think there's nothing like the brotherhood you see between guys like Brooks Kepka and Matthew Wolf, and you really just love to see <laughs> <laughs> guys like that out there. Hey, no, it's I mean, more I, drama I think, to cover, think- right? <laughs> It a hundred percent is. And I think it, the, if we've learned anything from this past year, maybe, you know, two plus years, the, the only constant right now uh, on the PGA tour and, and professional golf at large is, is change. And I think that that is, I think going to be the story of the PGA tour for the next two, five, 10, 15 years. I really, I think my guess where we end up is, the majors remain because the majors are the most important things in golf. And then maybe some of those, you know, flagship tour events, but that are l- almost less connected to the tour than they are connected to the players who, who represent them. So I'm thinking like the Genesis Invitational and Tiger Woods, Arnold Palmer Invitational, you know, the Memorial with Jack Nicholas. Like I could see those things living on and looking similar to whatever the tournament iteration of the past is as we go, as we go forward. But I could, 
definitely see the rest of that schedule getting stripped down and changed and formatted to accommodate however you can get the most money into the game really that's and so that's, that's whether that's ex- exactly what you just said is getting yeah and i think that's how where, do you get the money to the game and that to me is what i think rory might be saying is like okay we're, we're looking for more investment from different areas to try to bring more money to the pga tour and it's let's say it is teams and this is where it gets a little different because one of the coolest things about being on the PGA Tour is that you can create a brand for yourself. So you can, you know, when you think of Jordan Spieth, what do you think of? You think of Under Armour. You think, yeah, you think yes. of what you what you see from them. You see, when you think of Rory, you think of Nike. So when we when we talk about teams that potentially could come in and buy let's say there's going to be a team tailor made so you'll have four tailor made guys on a team or let's say you're going to have a team morgan stanley or a team nike so those are all all things that would be great it brings more money into the pga tour but what you potentially lose and what guys have tried to avoid is is the brand that you could create for yourself you kind of become like everyone else and loses a little bit of that value of of you know this is kind of who i am jordan spieth is under armor this nobody else is like jordan spieth on the pj tour well matthew fitzpatrick but um <laughs> but that's to my point though the pga tour definitely needs more investment like you're talking about and it, whether it's team golf and bringing in brands that want to be um that want to buy teams like srixon buys a team like great that's awesome mm-hmm. but you kind of lose that that element that makes a PGA tour, an independent contractor and a, and a personal brand. Yeah. Well, on the topic of Jordan Spieth, that's a good segue. Uh, <laughs> big changes on the policy board. We, we heard last week. I don't even know if we, we covered this. I, <laughs> the list of things that I like, did we talk about that? Or did we not talk about that? They just, they continue to grow with every new piece of news that comes out. But last week we heard Rory McElroy uh, resigning his position on the tour policy board. And, and you know, I think there's a pretty clean statement from the tour, but Rory and his comments over at the DP World Tour Championship kind of hinted to his you know, maybe displeasure with the amount of time that was you know, required for his involvement and, and not really wanting to commit to that anymore. And then maybe there being some frustration over what was asked of him and, and, and the public position he had to take, especially against Liv, and then that kind of getting flipped this summer when, when the tour kind of struck this framework agreement with the PIF. So uh, Rory steps down, leaves his position on the tour policy board, and we have a replacement now. And that replacement is Jordan Spieth. Jordan has great resume in terms of involvement on, on, on these sort of governing bodies for on the player side of the tour. He was on the player advisory council from 2017, 2018 was the pack chairman in 2018. He was also a player director from 2019 to 21. So everybody who's keeping score at home, your current policy board with Rory out is Charlie Hoffman, Patrick Cantlay, Peter Malnati, Webb Simpson, Tiger Woods, and now Jordan Spieth. And then in 2024, when Charlie Hoffman rolls off that board, the current Player Advisory Council chairman, Adam Scott, will replace him. And that will finalize your policy board. And that's an important thing because that's a group of people that are reviewing all these bids of potential financing that can maybe supplant whatever PIF comes up with. Or they could be the group that's reviewing the PIF plan saying we like that or we don't like that. So you're you're a buddy of Jordan's. Um, any sort of insight as to you know why he wanted to be involved, how this whole opportunity came about? 
He's he's been extremely involved in everything. Um, he's been a very silent uh, player in behind the scenes. How much work he's put in to getting it structured correctly and getting the right people in the correct seats to give the players the most amount of control that they can and have the right um, board members that are going to be sitting uh, on the other side of them to be able to work hand in hand with, uh, to be able to help push the things they want to get through. Um, and you mentioned Tiger Woods, you mentioned Cantlay, you mentioned Adam Scott, like those, these were all the names that I've been hearing that have been the main players behind the scenes that have been really calling a lot of the shots and getting the structure up top. Correct. And I think those are the main, when it comes to like Jay Monahan's job, like the, this is the group that are going to be determining the moves that they're eventually going to make. Um, you know, I really think Adam Scott, Patrick Canley, Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth, Peter Malnati, Webb Simpson. I mean, that's to me, it's a great group of players yeah. that come from def- different you know, areas on the tour. You got Tiger Woods and uh, being the best player of all time versus, you know, Peter Malnati, who gives you a different perspective from um, somebody who might be battling for the top 125 year in and year out. So that's how that policy board's always been is different perspectives. But um, I really think Jordan being elected to the policy board was a great, great move because he is very, very smart. He's extremely um, savvy when it comes to business. Um, Just as a super cerebral person, you could see that in his interviews. Um, Just when he talks about certain business stuff, I'm like, dude, like you could have been a a hell of a CEO. When I listen to him talk about stuff, he is so forward thinking and stuff like that, that it, I I can't even, I just let him talk and I'm just like, I don't know what you're talking about, but you sound like you're saying the right (laughs) things. But so good for, good for, uh, the, the PGA tour getting that one. Right. Um, and I'm really excited that Jordan got on there because I think he's going to be a really nice voice for the uh, policy board moving forward. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more in terms of just the makeup of that group, especially with Adam Scott rolling on, because then you have like, some, he's some so vets, he's, he's great. He's just so, he's just, he's so even keeled. He's been around the game. He's seen the ups and downs of golf, just a great advocate for the game of golf that's a nice makeup of group. And, and again, uh, important, uh, as we, as we, you know, that kind of bounces out the votes from the non-player directors on this board as, as we figure out what the future of the PGA tour is. Um, so man, golly, we, we, we got through, uh, I didn't, we really didn't even cover everything we wanted to cover. Uh, probably in December, we'll do a full wrap on all that we mentioned off the top of the show in terms of, you know, the tour just reflecting on the year that just happened and you know, what, what next year is going to look like. Um, but that is, that's all for us today. Uh, and we have, this is, we're obviously, we're heading into Thanksgiving week. So we have, as I mentioned before, the Thanksgiving league, <laughs> which you don't know anything about right now. And, and we don't want you to know anything about it until this episode drops. That's coming on Wednesday, which will be accompanied by a social media graphic. And I, I would just, the only tease I'd offer is, um, just, just think about my teams a little bit, just give them a little bit of thought <laughs> Don't just let your face value reaction to my teams just be what the hell was this guy thinking? Because I think if you let them, you kind of, it's like a fine wine, you know, you kind of let it just mature a little bit after a while. Like, oh, I like this taste. I've acquired this taste. That's all I'm going to say there. Any, any thoughts you want to leave the people with ahead of the Thanksgiving league on Wednesday? 
I mean, first off, nobody has no idea what you're talking about because they have no idea what the Thanksgiving League is. It's just a silly draft that we did that's hysterical. Uh, it's probably one of the hardest <laughs> I've laughed uh, doing a podcast, so it's definitely <laughs> one to tune into. So looking forward to that. Um, yeah. Uh, God, crazy day. I mean, just TGL, all of that news. Insane, man. I'm just uh, just kind of just a head spinning week in the game of golf. And I, I have to add one thing to the episode and it's for the fantasy football people out here. I made a trade uh, Sunday, 15 minutes before kickoff. My team is in shambles. Wow. I'm seven and three. I'm in a great spot about to go seven and four. And for those that are listening, I made a trade to try to get Devin to ch- a-, a chain. Did that really I think fast? That's right. If really it's not, fast. People know Miami. Yeah. Yeah. He's like had those three weeks that he, that he, he actually did play. He, he's like a top 15 running back still somehow. So I made a trade for him and I gave away Deandre Hopkins, Jaron Judy and Nigeria. So honestly just giving away depth, but I I'm on the, at the RSN and I'm, and I'm looking at my fantasy football score. And I see that a chain is, is out in the first quarter. So it's just, do you know, is there anything worse than making a trade for a guy and he gets, and he gets hurt in the first quarter. It's like, what, <laughs> I know it's. I, I thought you before. were going to say you, you traded for Joe Burrow. I thought that's oh, where you're going it's with similar this. Deal. Which, it, trading for somebody and they get hurt, but, yeah. it just sucks. But anyways, I, 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 I'm in this. I'm in a similar. Like I hit the panic button a little bit because I've had Justin Jefferson all year long, just sitting on the IR, mm-hmm. and I also was a Devonte uh, Devonte Adams and Devonte Smith owner. Um, and, and I, I, I like Devonte Smith, but I also have Jalen hurts and uh, Deandre Swift on my roster. So I was like, I got to diversify a little bit. I flipped those two, uh, and the Gus bus, which was looking like a real mistake for, um, Deandre Hopkins and Jalen Waddle. And then I'm watching like Devonte Adams score a touchdown this week. And I'm like, what, what was, what, what was I thinking here? <laughs> just, just smashing the panic button. Uh, hoping we'll go eight and three this week. Uh, nobody cares about our fantasy teams. Yeah, no, no, is, no, no, no. Know, just just shut this is. podcast off. We're done talking. <laughs> well, let, let me let me just leave you with one last little uh, little clip, a uh, little tease. Oh, I'm Charlie. I like margaritas. <laughs> oh, I'm Charlie. I like margaritas. Oh, I'm Charlie. I like margaritas. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. Tune in on Wednesday. We'll see you then. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.